Uh, just in case I forget while you're turning there trying to find Luke. <laughs> Blame it on the medication I'm on, all right? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. Uh, <laughs> while, I'm, while you're trying to find Book of Luke here, um, uh, the college and career, I'd like to meet with you for just a moment after service tonight. Um, honestly, just a moment, because I want to find out what's a good time for us to get together and do some, do some planning and talking about some things um, going forward. And so we won't take a lot of time. I am honestly just wanting to know a good time for all of you. Try to get together and work that out, and then we'll take the time that we need, but not after church tonight, all right? Uh, we didn't get home. My wife and I didn't get back to the airport until almost midnight last night. And uh, so I'm as anxious to get home as you are, maybe more so. You don't have all these people staring at you, wondering what's wrong with you. Um, Un also taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. And that's what I've been trying to do for many, many weeks now, is trying to share with you the things that I've gleaned about prayer uh, through my many years of study and practice and trying to help each of us. And uh, especially to those of you that are newer in the church, these lessons are so important. We learn how to pray. We got to learn how to pray. Amen. And um, we got to learn how to pray the right way. Our prayers have got to be the right kind of prayers. They really do. And I want my prayers to accomplish something when I pray. I don't want to just be able to mark a chart that I've spent my time, but I want to be able to mark some charts that God gave some answers. That's what, I, that's what I want to see happen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. So we will continue on with part four of this particular focus on prayer that I'm calling the power of a proper prayer. Proper prayer. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Can we do that, everybody? Let's talk to the Lord together right now. Worship you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Talk to our hearts, God, I pray. Talk to our hearts. Talk to our hearts. Hallelujah. Help us, oh God, to learn to pray effectively. Help us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's praise him one more time before we're seated here tonight, everybody. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 A lot of time in review tonight. Just a couple of things that I do want to say. One is that last week I mentioned to you 
uh, about an article. I had those printed up. I think they're still back at the sound booth. Um, I'm not sure that very many people took copies of them. And uh, maybe, how many, you got still got several there? Why don't you get up and hand them out? Somebody wants them, because people forget. They forget. So, so I don't want them forgetting. This is important. This is important. And, and this man doesn't know the fullness of truth, but there are some truths in this. Uh, in this article, he makes a statement that the worst sin is prayerlessness. The worst sin is prayerlessness. To not pray he said, is a worse sin than any other sin we, the people of God, might commit. It is crucial to us. It is vital to us that we not just talk about prayer, but we actually pray. All right, let's practice one more time. It is vital to us that we actually pray. All right, that's better. That's what I want to hear. That's what I'm looking for. And we've got to do it. We've got to do more than say, I want to pray. We've got to do more than, than, than say, well, I really want to do better at prayer. We just got to get busy doing it. Amen. Amen. We've got to pray. This article, please don't sit and read it right now. Um, please don't sit and read it right now. Listen to me. Uh, this is for this is for later. This is for later. Everyone says for later. Tell your neighbor if you catch them reading it, you're going to grab it out of their hands. Praise God. This is for later. This is for later. You need to read this later on. But it's it is a it is a great article. Uh, that the it is the tyranny of the urgent. It talks about how we tend to make things urgent in our lives that God is not putting an urgency on. God sees as being vitally important and we get a whole lot more accomplished and we don't feel so frustrated and we don't feel like we're not doing anything. Listen, Jesus healed a lot of people but Jesus didn't heal everybody. Jesus delivered a lot of demoniacs but he didn't deliver every demoniac. But at the end of his life, he did say, I've done the will of my father. And so we've got to understand, we've got to understand that the Holy Ghost knows where our efforts can be the most fruitful, where we can get the biggest job done. Listen to me, church, and I'm, I'm trying to get to these notes, but at the same time, I'm trying to be sensitive to what I feel, but listen to me. I believe in outreach. I believe in handing out church cards. I believe in passing out flyers. I believe in knocking doors, but I'm going to tell you what is far more important is when we're walking in the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God nudges us and says, that person's hungry. We're going to be much more effective at winning souls if we know the Holy Ghost is already working on them. We know the Spirit of God's already dealing with them. Hallelujah. Amen. We do believe the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord, right? We believe the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord then I'm telling you, God knows how to order our steps to the right cashier at the store. 
He knows how to order our steps to the right person that's standing in line somewhere right in front of us or right behind us. He knows how to order our steps at a restaurant and sit us beside somebody that may be hungry for the truth. Oh, I feel what I'm telling you tonight. I'm telling you what we gotta do is pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until the Holy Ghost starts doing something in our lives and God starts directing us and ordering us to think. It'll help some of you. I really, really do. Praise God. Amen. It doesn't take long. It's not a long read. You can get it done in just a few moments' time. All right, so... Uh, so let, let's, let's, let's make that a, a priority. Let's make it a priority. Now, uh, our text, we read the disciples ask the Lord to teach them to pray. Now, I, I pointed out to you, I believe with all my heart these men were already praying. I believe they were already praying. I just think that as they watched him and as they listened to him, they realized, Brother Hilton, that, that there was a dimension to their prayer that just wasn't quite connecting like it was for him. And, and they wanted, they wanted their prayers to be as effective as his were. And so when they said, teach us to pray, I don't think that they were just saying, Lord, give us the same words. Let us know the things that we ought to be saying. But I think that they were saying to him, Lord, Give us enough instruction so that when we go before God, we can touch the throne of grace the way that you do. Amen. Now, we have, we've looked at, at, at a number of prayers. Uh, we looked at the prayer of Daniel. We talked about the facets of that prayer. We, we spent a little bit of time talking about the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I pointed out to you last week that the Lord's Prayer, or we call it that, I don't really personally don't like that title for it, but because that's the common title, it's, it's, it's what I use. It's kind of like when I preach about the three Hebrews, I, I really would prefer not to call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that's the way everybody knows them. If I talked about Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, you probably wouldn't know who I was talking about. But Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, that, that was their actual names. And they were Hebrew names that gave glory to the God of Israel. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were names that glorified the heathen gods of, of Babylon. Read it for yourself. It's there in the book of Daniel. It's true. I'm telling you the truth. And that's why I don't really, you know, I... I if it's just up to me, I wouldn't be calling by those names. Same thing's true with this prayer. I, I don't really like calling it the Lord's Prayer. I don't feel like it is the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it was the Lord's answer to a request by the disciples, teach us to pray. And so it was really the disciples' prayer. It's what he gave them as a lesson in prayer. Uh, but anyhow, be that as it may, that particular prayer, uh, as well known as it is, Obviously, it contains in it things that we need to incorporate into our own prayer life. But yet, I pointed out to you last week just how brief that prayer is. In our English Bibles, in the book of Luke, uh, it is only 58 words long. 
And in the book of Matthew, it is only 66 words long. That's really not a lot of words. Uh, brother, brother Ron Garrett, Elder Garrett, uh, called me yesterday and, and he wanted to take my notes that I use in Africa. He wants to get them translated into Swahili. He is dealing with some folks that are from the areas of Africa where they speak Swahili. And uh, so he told me to try to find a service that would do that translating for me. And so I was looking at it today, trying to find it, and realized that that little document that I print out is 22,000 words. 22,000 words. That's a lot of words. So when we talk about something being only 60 words long, that's pretty short. That's pretty short. That's more than... Uh, the number of amens some of you have said since you've been in service tonight. Ah, so, so, so it's, it is a brief prayer and yet it is a powerful prayer. I, I did talk about last week the parable that Jesus gave of the Pharisee and the publican and how that the Pharisee prayed a prayer that was more than three times the length of the publican's prayer. And yet God rejected the Pharisees' prayer and responded to the publicans. Now, again, I want to stress, it's, there are some prayers that I'm telling you now, it's going to take us a while to get an answer. We're going to have to pray a while to get the victory we need. We're going to have to pray a while to pull down certain strongholds. That's why some of you are not getting the victory that you need. It's because you think that a three-minute prayer or a five-minute prayer will get you through, but you've got bigger problems than just three minutes worth of praying. Hallelujah. And so, so please don't misunderstand me tonight. It's not that God prefers short prayers. It's that God prefers prayers that contain certain things that will get his attention. And we've talked about some of those things. We've talked about some of those things. Uh, as I've already pointed out with Daniel's prayer, we talked about uh, the aspects of that prayer that, that, that obviously got the attention of God. We've talked about this prayer we call the Lord's Prayer and how it was a kingdom-minded prayer. Was not a, it was not a personally focused prayer. It wasn't a prayer of selfishness, but every request that was made was for the entire kingdom. And God obviously loves it when we pray that way. And so we're going to look at another prayer tonight, and this is where I wanted to get to. We're, we want to look at another prayer tonight and, and look at some of the some of the characteristics of this prayer. This was a powerful prayer. This was a prayer, amen, that really brought about uh, or at least created the opportunity for a tremendous revival in Israel. Israel was totally backslidden. Israel was following after false gods. Their king and queen were promoting false gods. But one man, stood on a mountain and said, bring your false prophets up here. And we're going to find out which God answers by fire. And the prophets of Baal prayed all day long and got no answer whatsoever. 
But Elijah, when it came his turn, about the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah said, in our English Bibles, about 63 Lord or Jehovah, he is the God. Jehovah is the God. I'm telling you something about that prayer that turned the hearts of a nation. A prayer of just over 60 words turned the hearts of a nation and brought the fire of God down. Oh, church, I hope you're hearing what I'm trying to tell you tonight. I'm telling you, we if we can learn to pray effectively, you don't have to have reverend in front of your name. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be a praise singer. If you can learn how to pray the way God wants you to pray, you can bring a revival to this church, to this city, to this state, to this nation. You can do it. In fact, I think I mentioned last week, there are many churches in existence today that had their start in a prayer meeting where a group of saints got together and said, God, we need a preacher. We need a church. And they started praying and God heard their prayer and God sent a man and God began to raise up a work. I'm preaching to you tonight, saints. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you need to develop a prayer life that you have confidence in. Now, I appreciate the fact that you've got confidence in my prayers. I don't ever want that to change. I don't ever want it to change. And I'm going to tell you, if the day comes you don't have confidence in my prayers, you need to go find a preacher you do have confidence in. End of discussion. That's right. That's right. I'm glad you've got confidence in my prayers. But I'm going to tell you, you need to have some confidence in your own prayers. You need to learn how... 36 and 37, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 36 and 37. Praise God. All right, read for me. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Now, I didn't put it in the notes for him to read. If you're reading it out of your Bible, you will see the very next verse, verse 38 says, then the fire of God fell. So, so 36 and 37 is the entirety of this prayer that brought about a revival. And you'll notice part of verse 36 is just leading up to the prayer. All right? So that's it. I'm, we're not talking about a long, drawn-out thing. Now, let me just let me throw this out for you. Let me throw this out for your consideration. I want to tell you something, church. You can't expect to live a prayerless life 
and then walk up and, and ask God, pray a prayer that's only 63 words long and expect the fire to fall. But Elijah wasn't living a prayerless life, you see. And this short prayer was the result of a life of dedication and consecration to God. Well, hallelujah. I'm telling you, this is really a key. It's not even in my notes, but it's a key. You gotta have a consistent prayer life. You gotta have a relationship. And Susie Shaw was laying on the floor where her eyes rolled back in her head. Not breathing. Had not been breathing. I didn't start praying a lengthy prayer. I didn't start praying a lengthy prayer. I walked back there, saw her in her condition, and I prayed a one-word prayer. Jesus! And when I spoke that name, her eyes focused and she started breathing again. Was anybody back there when that happened? Anybody? Was anybody? I, 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 there was only a couple of people that were there when I got back there. But, but anyhow, it, it's, uh, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you tonight that in the moment of crisis, when you don't have time to pray lengthy prayers, God will answer these brief prayers if there's been a connection along the way. Oh, hallelujah. And so Elijah, Elijah prays this brief prayer. Very short, part of verse 36, the rest of verse 37, that's his prayer. Here is his prayer. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. The end. That's it. That's the prayer. And when he finished those few words, then the fire of the Lord fell. And what a fire. It not only consumed the, the sacrifice, it, it consumed all the water that had been poured on the sacrifice. There was a trench that was dug around the altar. It was filled with water. The fire consumed all of that water. It consumed everything that was there. You talk about a fire falling and it fell because of a brief prayer that didn't take 60 seconds to pray. After the false prophets spent an entire day crying out to their God and got nowhere, kind of prayer can be yours. Now, now look, I know, I know. Some of you say, well, he was a prophet. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. The book of James, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. James, chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. I want you to listen to this. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Pray one for another. That you may be healed. Uh-huh. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth okay, much. Okay, now, now let's stop right there. We, we know that verse, right? We know at least that last part of the verse. We don't hear much about confessing faults. <clears throat> that's part of that verse but generally all we ever hear is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much the effectual fervent prayer 
Now, now look, James is talking about the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man. All right? Prayers that work. That's what he's talking about. Verse 17. Elijah. Oh, now, he just finished talking about these effectual prayers. And the first example he wants to give us is Elijah. But what does he say about Elijah? Elijah was a prophet of God. Elijah That's not what he a, said. No, sir. All right. Elijah was a great man of God. Elijah was as close to an angel as you could get. That's not what he said. What did he say? Elijah was a man. He was a man. Subject to like subject passions as to we like are. passions as we are. Elijah was just like us. Now listen, I'm telling you what James is trying to get across in all of this. He talks about effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man avail much. And then he goes to Elijah and he's making it clear to all of his readers we're not that God didn't do this because Elijah was a prophet. God didn't do this of a righteous man. He was subject to like passions as we are. And I'm going to prove that to you in just a moment. But what did he go on to say? And he prayed. And he prayed. Earnestly. Earnestly. He prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. One commentator said that the original Greek, really, if, if you literally break it down, what it's literally saying is he prayed with prayer. He just prayed with prayer. Now, that's what we call a Hebraism. Hebraism, Hebraism is, is where they repeat something in order to emphasize it. And so he's saying he, he got in there and prayed and prayed. And that's why the translator said he prayed earnestly. He wasn't just saying words. I'm telling you, this may have been a short prayer, but Elijah meant everything that was coming out of his mouth. He had a passion about it. He had a fervor about him. There was, there was something about this. He wasn't just waiting around and trying to come up with something. I'm telling you, when Elijah stepped on the scene at that moment, he had something in his heart. God, we've got to have an answer. We've got to prove to these people that these false gods are nothing and that you are the only thing that really matters. And he prayed with prayer. He got serious about it. He got down to business about it. He prayed earnestly. All right? He prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly that it might not that rain. That it might not rain. And it rained and not on the earth. It didn't rain. By the space now of look. God sent a famine to the entire earth because a man who is subject to like passions as we are prayed with prayer. God stopped up the heavens for a man. Now let me just, let me, let me take a moment. We'll come back to James. Well, let's just go ahead and finish that. We got one more verse here, verse 18. Go ahead and finish that. And he prayed he again. Prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the same God that stopped the rain started the rain. Mm -hmm. And the earth brought forth. 
I hope you're understanding me tonight. Elijah didn't get this powerful answer, whether we're talking about stopping the rain, sending the fire, or, or sending the rain. Whatever it is, Elijah didn't get the answer because he was a prophet. He got the answer as a man subject to like passions as we are. But he was a righteous man and he was praying effectual, fervent prayers. Now, let's talk about this term subject to like passions as we are. I don't want anybody to misunderstand that. We're not talking about a man that's consumed with lust or a man that's, you know, well, he's, he's got a real weakness for stealing. And so, you know, I mean, he was a thief, like he was a liar. Or he was, that's not what James is saying. He's subject to like passions as we are. He's saying that Elijah felt the same things that every one of us feel. He was just as human as the next person. And we have an example in the Bible that shows that to be the case. We're not talking about committing sin. But we're talking about his passions, his emotions. Elijah had the same emotions that everybody else has got. And there were times his emotions got the better of him. A man that could stop the rain, a man that could bring down fire, a man that could restart the rain, he still had issues. He wasn't a perfect man. Oh, you're not getting this. You're not getting this. Because listen, that's one of the reasons why you don't have any confidence in your prayers. Because the devil keeps telling you, you need to be better. You need to be better. You need to be better. If you were better, God would listen. If you did better, God would listen. If you were more perfect, God would have from raining. And then he, he gets up on Mount Carmel. He prays a simple prayer. The fire of God falls. And then when he gets through, he goes over and starts praying. Sends his servant out. Said, do you see anything? And servant goes out and said, I don't see anything. He said, go back and look again. And finally, the servant comes back and said, there is a cloud. Out. You know, it's kind of like a man's hand that I see. And, 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 and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you that, that Elijah was just praying and praying and praying. And God sent the rain. Now, this rain, this rain was so abundant. Just like God had dried it up completely, God, God didn't do things lightly. This wasn't just a little shower. It was a deluge. All right? Now, can you imagine what it's like? You've prayed a prayer, Brother Hilton, and for three and a half years, there hadn't been one drop of rain anywhere because of the prayer you prayed. You go to the top of a mountain and you pray a prayer and the fire of God falls, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the water. The prophets of Baal have all been slain. And then you pray a prayer and God opens the heavens and the rains begin to come again. Can you imagine what it's like coming down that mountainside? Can you imagine the joy, the thrill, the excitement? Woo, we are having revival. Oh, we're having revival. 
the miracles we have just witnessed because of my prayers. Right? Now you'd think he'd come back shouting, jumping, running. But you know what? He was a man subject to like passions as we are. As I have seen some of you walk away from great victories only to come back to next service and be absolutely depressed. Oh, it got quiet all of a sudden. That's what happened to Elijah. I mean, he's just had... He ought to be shouting. He ought to be so excited. But look at what happens. Now, we've read this. It was 1 Kings 18 when the fire fell. It's 1 Kings 18 when the rain comes. And then we get... In fact, go ahead and get your Bible because I want to prove what I'm saying right now. I want to prove what I'm saying right now, all right? Um, So 1 Kings 18, verse 45. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind. Everybody's with me now. This is chapter 18. Everybody's with me. He's prayed, the fire fell, they've slain the prophets of Baal, and and now verse 45, it came to pass, in the meanwhile, the heaven was black with clouds and wind. And Ahab rode, and and there was a great rain. There was a great rain. And Ahab rode. Look, Ahab got in his chariot, the Bible's specific, Ahab was in his chariot, he rode and went to Jezreel. Mm -hmm. Right? What's the next verse say? And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. Oh, the Spirit of God fell on Elijah. Uh-huh. And he girded up his and loins. And he girded up his loins. And ran. And he Ahab outran the chariot. You talk about running the aisles. I'm telling you, he has had a victory. And now he's having a running spell. The Holy Ghost is on him. And he's outrunning the horse and the chariot of Ahab. Boy, he's just had high church. We just defeated the devil. We just slew thousands of false prophets. We've just had victory. We've seen the fire of God with our own eyes. We feel the rain coming down on us. It's running time. It's time to run the aisles. That's the end of chapter 18. In chapter 19... Verse 2, let's, let's go there. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto your Bible reading. It hadn't been that long ago that, that you read about all this, not that many uh, weeks ago. You, 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 you read about, and, and I'm telling you, it just, I get to thinking about Ahab and what a baby he was. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. And he couldn't, have, he couldn't have that vineyard, so what does he do? Go home and whine and cry. And had to get Jezebel to do his dirty work for him. No backbone, no spine. That's the truth. So here he is. Ahab Ahab comes home to Jezebel. He has to tell Jezebel everything Elijah did. And with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And so verse 2. 
Then Jezebel, Jezebel sent a said, to Elijah she saying, sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods, so do, let the me gods do to me more also. and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Jezebel was more of a man than Ahab was. <laughs> so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. You're going to Elijah now look he's just had this victory he's just prayed a short little prayer and God sent fire he's just prayed a prayer and God sent rain and now the queen says you're going to die by tomorrow you'd think he'd square his shoulders back and say just try it but he didn't what did he do read verse 3 and when he saw that he arose and went for his when life. When he got word, he arose and he had another little running spell. But this time he wasn't running victory laps. He was running in fear. And he came to Beersheba. And he came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. He left his servant there. But he himself. Wait a minute. You just had this huge victory. Two huge victories back to back, in fact. Really, three if you count the fact that you talked the, the Israelites into slaying the prophets of Baal. I mean, look, this has been some more revival service he just left. And now here he is out in the wilderness sitting under a tree saying, God, just kill me, just kill me, just kill me, just get it over with. Now, that's why the Bible says he's a man of like passions as we are. It's not talking about him committing sin, but his emotions. He let his emotions get the best of him. And rather than looking at the God who'd already done great things, already brought him victory, he got his eyes on his situation, how he felt, what he thought. And he let his own ideas and his own emotions control everything. And now he's depressed. Now let me just tell you something, church. I don't see any way you can get depressed if you're focused on God. Because there's nothing depressing about him. He's never lost a battle. He's never ignored his people. He's never left them to beg. Hello? What is there to be depressed about when your eyes are on God? If you're depressed, you're looking at the wrong thing. Oh, I feel a little resistance right there. But I'm telling you the truth. Elijah got his eyes off of the God who had just wrought great victories at his hands. And he got him on his own situation. And he said, there's no use in even trying anymore. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter how good it gets. I'm going to have devils to fight. And I'm going to have battles to fight. In fact, you can read on down where he even tells God, I alone am left as a prophet. Nobody else is even serving you anymore, God. I'm the only person in all the world that's even serving you. I'm not making this up. It's in your Bible. I alone am left as a servant. I'm preaching to some people here tonight. 
You walk out of a high service, great victory, great things, and the next thing you know, your mind is telling you all kinds of things. You're getting all kinds of ideas. You're looking at how bad things are. You're looking at how difficult things are, and now all of a sudden you are in the depths of depression. But I'm going to tell you, God wasn't finished with Elijah in spite of all of that. And God said, get up, I'm going to show you something. And I'm going to use you and you're going to go and you're going to start anointing some people. And we're getting things ready because the show is going to go on, Elijah. It's not just about you. It's about my kingdom. It's about what I've got going on. You go find Elijah and you anoint him. You go find Jehu and you go anoint him. I'm telling you, Elijah, we got something else to get done around here. It's not over yet. I'm not finished with you and you shouldn't be finished with you. Because it ain't about you, Elijah. Hallelujah. I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. I'm going to tell you what you need to do is just to shake that old thing off of you and say, I'm not listening to it. The same God that let me feel his glory just a few services ago is going to come again. It may not be tonight. It may not be next week, but it's coming. So I'm just going to keep on worshiping and I'm going to keep on being faithful and I'm not going to listen to the devil's lies. My God is a God of victory. He's a God that's never lost. He's a God that's never been defeated. And if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to wait right here here until the fire falls again. Uh, I'm telling you, there's just no telling what God would have done to Jezebel if she'd have tried to, if she would really have put her hand on that man. There is no telling what God, Elijah, yeah, he did it for the children of Israel at the Red Sea. Right? God has a record of defending his people. He's got a record. And he's faithful. There's just no telling. We do know what God eventually had done to Jezebel. And we know how she ended up. The horses trampled her and the dogs devoured what they could. And look, I'm not trying to be disgusting, but the fact is the Bible said she would end up as dung on the hills. I heard Brother Riley say one time, so somebody walk across the field and said, oh, I stepped in some Jezebel. Bible said was going to happen to her. That's the way God felt about her. You think God doesn't defend his people? You think God's not going to take care of his children? Look, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. The Holy Ghost came on him but never came in him. Elijah was never baptized in the name that's above every name. If God would defend Elijah, what do you think he's going to do for you? 
Why do you think God's going to just stand by and let the devil do what he wants to do to you? God's not like that. I'll tell you what, I, I, need, to, I need to contact I need to contact Brother Lackey and see if I can get a hold of Brother White's message from the missions conference where he just preached you need to get a grip so you can get a miracle. That's what some of you need to do tonight. Just get a grip. Hallelujah. Well, I still hadn't got as far as I wanted to get and my time's up. Oh, there's some things I really wanted to say about this prayer tonight. But... uh, if it's better than my father's, they all died. Now I'm going to die too. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. And yet God, knowing all of that, let him have such a tremendous, effective prayer life. And I'm telling you, saints of God, I'm telling you, it wasn't because Elijah was a prophet. It was because he was a righteous man praying effectual, fervent prayers. And every one of you, if you're doing what you can to live for God, you're doing what you can to be what God wants you to be, I'm telling you, you can pray effectual, fervent prayers. Now look, look, I'm, I'm going to close. Becca comes so I can remember I'm closing, all right? Otherwise, I'll get into this. and I, I, I've still got, whoever said preach, you don't know. I've still got almost six pages of notes. So you, I've, I've only covered a little over two. You don't want me going three times as long as I've already gone, all right? That, that would put us here. That put us here until midnight tonight. So you, you really don't want that, so... So I understand. I understand. I appreciate the, the thought, but um, I'm not going to try. But, but, but look, here, here's, here's what I want you. I want you to know tonight. I want you to recognize tonight that you can have this kind of powerful prayer life. You can pray effectual fervent prayers now we got to Elijah's prayer but I didn't get to discuss the prayer <laughs> we're going to break it down I'm going to show you the parts of it that, that, that I believe are the reason why God answered the way he answered but hear me here's what I wanted to say a while ago here's what I started to say I want you to listen to me when, when I get up here or some other preacher gets up here and starts saying we're going to have revival, God's going to send revival. So many of you are saying amen and you're shouting and, and you're, 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 some of you are on your feet and I appreciate that and that's the way it ought to be. And nod your head, you don't really believe it. You really don't. You really don't. There's got to be a bigger response than that if you really believe it. But I'm going to tell you something. While I know, I know that some of you really want this. You really want it. What I think some of you don't realize is you can bring it about. Well, it got real quiet on me again. You can bring it about. You can start praying. You can develop a prayer life where you can pray and God will send the fire. 
Well, I'm getting about two or three amens, and some of you are looking at me like, yeah, right, I don't believe that. That's fine, that's fine. If you don't believe it, just keep it to yourself. Don't tell anybody else you don't believe it. You just live on in your doubt. But what I'm hoping is somebody here really gets a hold of what I'm saying right now. And somebody says, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go find a place to pray. And I'm going to start praying. And I'm going to present it to God. Listen to me. If you really believe what's been prophesied around here, then you believe it's the will of God for it to come. Did some of you not get that? If you believe it's going to come, then you have to believe it's the will of God for it to come. If you believe it's the will of God for it to come, then you don't have to worry about whether or not you're praying in the will of God. You can pray with an assurance that what I'm asking God to do right now is his will. And then we get back to the Lord's prayer. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we know, we know what you have said. We know what the voice of the Spirit has declared around here time and time again. And so, God, I'm absolutely convinced what the will of the Holy Ghost is for this church. And so when I pray, God, send the fire. God, give us souls. God, fill this building. Then I know I'm praying in the will of God. And if I'm praying in the will of God, I cannot's going to answer that prayer. Let's stand tonight. Let's stand tonight. Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord together right now, can we? Hallelujah. 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 Oh God, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire, send the fire. Send the fire, Jesus. Open up the heavens. Let that rain begin to fall. The former rain, the latter rain coming down together in the same season. Send that Holy Ghost deluge. Send the flood of your spirit into this place, God. Woo, hallelujah. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, you can pray that prayer and God will answer. You can pray that prayer and God will answer. Hallelujah. Ah, oh, let's gather around tonight. God's looking for somebody, for somebody to commit themselves. I'm going to pray some effectual, fervent prayers. I'm going to pray some effectual, fervent prayers. And I'm going to see the fire fall. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah.